Freeze third entry. We are camped out in the snow. I'm grateful that my companions know enough about the wilderness to locate dry wood and get a fire going. I have learned a great deal about survival in this short time on the mountain. After we left the logging camp, we encountered a strange sight. There was a lone cabin with a spike of rock piercing right through it. I'm not sure how I can accurately describe just how big it was. I mean, it really was a smooth spike of rock that had smashed through the roof of the cabin. Must have been a couple hundred feet up to the tip of it. And strangest of all, there was a giant skewered at the top. You have to heave him. I don't know. Are you strong? I'm very strong. <laughs> okay. I won't make you roll a strength check since you rolled so well on climbing, but it is a struggle. You heave him off of this rock spike and kind of over the lip of the needle. And Madge got him down, and the victim was a weathered-looking feller, but he wore some fairly fancy clothes. I felt a bit ill as Matt gave the man something called a sky burial. Basically cut him open for the birds to eat, I guess. Afterwards, we came across another problem. There was a chasm in the mountain, blocking our path. It sounds crazy, but Madge had to jump across to secure a rope ladder that had been left dangling there. Then he swung back, and we used the rope ladder as a sort of bridge. Sina's gonna call down into the chasm and see if. Hello? Is there anybody down there? You don't hear anything except your echo. Okay. That was the most fun I've had in weeks. <laughs> I can tell. You do not enjoy the mountain. This I can tell. I, uh, well, it's not that I don't enjoy the mountain. This is just something I'm not familiar with. And I also just kind of almost fell into a chasm, so... <laughs> no one almost fell. The mountain willed that we will find his niece. Therefore, we will find her. We made it across the chasm, but I hope to the gods I never have to do anything like that again. Finally, we then came across another dead giant, propped up against an old tree, and what we found of him was... Well, let me tell you, there are some strange things taking place up on this mountain. Time to Die Podcast Network presents The Giant's March. The road is long, but the world is small. The snow is gently falling in large flakes as you guys stand a ways above the tree line on this mountain. 
getting closer and closer to the top, and you have just come across a body off in the distance, slumped down in the snow, leaning against a tree. Yeah, I look at Madsen Cena, and um, I go, <laughs> one, two, three, not it. Wait, 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 not it. Mads, you have to go check out the body. <laughs> Why are we all afraid of checking the body? I guess we're not all afraid. By all means, go check out this one. You handled the last one perfectly. Okay, Mads will uh, walk over there and investigate. I turn to Cena. I can't believe that worked. I know, me neither. It's probably not going to work next time. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> You walk about 200 yards to this tree, and you begin to approach the body. It's uh, an older gentleman. He's probably, compare in, in giant ears, you know, if you compare it to humans, he's probably what a human would be in his, like, 50s. That's how old this giant is. <laughs> he's as old as a human in his 50s. Americans will use anything to tell time but the metric system. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lift up the arm to see if uh, there's a reaction. The body is very limp. You lift up his arm, and it's easily movable, and yet something about this body feels strangely stiff. The arm moves, but the body does not. I wave the arm at uh, my cousins and say, (laughs) It would appear he is dead! I look over at Cena and I say, um, I knew he was going to do that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just glad he's the paladin and not one of us. I guess we should go over there now. Yeah, I guess. I feel like he's going to come over and get us soon. Or, like, (laughs) bring it over. (laughs) You'll turn over and Mads is currently uh, trying to get this body free from the tree. Mads, we're coming over. We're coming over. It's fine. (laughs) Mads, as you work with this body, you find that uh, it's slumped against the tree, but it won't budge. And when you start to examine why, you find that it is pierced through below by a spike of rock, just like you saw with the cabin. This is odd. Come and look at this, cousins. There's a weird sort of rock that is protruding through this man as well. Again? It would appear so. Odd indeed. Okay, Sina will go over and, like, check it out. What would you like to do? Do you want to roll for this? Are you looking for something specific? Are you going to examine him in some way? Uh, she's just going to pretty much just check him out. Like, are there any identifying marks other than the, than the spike? You see um, the trail of blood that you'd noticed before. Uh, it appears to lead to this man, and it's kind of dribbling down his chin and his uh, shirt. But other than that, you don't see any signs of exterior damage other than this rock. Huh. If you give me a brief moment, I can cast Detect Magic. I start to, like, lay out this stuff for my ritual, which is going to take ten minutes. Definitely not a few moments. <laughs> <laughs> While he's doing that, why don't you guys uh, roll a perception to examine his body? Or an investigation, I don't care which. Investigation. 
18. Okay. Um, he has on him uh, a prayer book. It has um, a variety of different prayers inside of it. And um, the, uh, the emblem on the front cover of the book looks like a capital M, and the peaks of the M have lines through them. It's almost like it could be mountains and clouds and things. That's the best you can make out if it was some sort of religious symbol. The thing that you noticed, Tim, is that he has a ring on his finger with the same emblem stamped into it. But we don't recognize it at all. You can roll a religion check and see. Give me that old time religion. Please, please, please. Um, 12, I doubt it. Ferdos, roll perception while you're doing your thing. Two plus a three. Wow. High roller. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you're too f- focused on what you're doing to notice. Mm-hmm. Other than that, he's just got some a few survival things, some empty ration, you know, uh, storage things like wrap, like, I don't know what they used back then, paper, I guess. And uh, he just looks like a, a gener- generic adventure. He doesn't keep any coins on him. They didn't need any up in the mountains, so it's just survival stuff. If you guys don't do anything, you're just waiting on Ferdos. Ferdos, what's going on? I'm uh, just completing my um, my little circle of stones and, and runes and things of the such. And uh, like kind of tweaking them bit by bit to make sure that they're all aligned in the perfect way. And then um, I just uh, sprinkle a little ash in the center of the circle and then like a sort of orangey mist um, kind of surrounds the area and I breathe it in and then my eyes start to glow and I can detect magic now. What you find as you peer under this man from where he was impaled is this spike of rock is emanating an aura of uh, transmutation magic and yet for some reason it's different than the one you saw back at the cabin. You can tell it's transmutation but it looks like it was sourced in a different way. All right, and then do I still get the sort of air of uh, necromancy around? Um, not here. Oh, okay. Mm, this is similar to the rock spire from the cabin, but uh, slightly different. Might just be a different spell was cast. See, now we'll call over the rest of the group. Yeah, they're all kind of standing around at this point, waiting for him to do his thing, and uh, the bard says, I'm afraid I don't know much about this, and the uncle says, I don't like where this is going. Um, Cena, I want you to roll a history. I kind of forgot to do this, but we're going to do it now. Okay. 20 not natural. Are you guys going to try and deal with his body? It's slumped over right now and impaled, so you'd have to rip it off the spike. Rip, you say? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, uh, I'll pull him off the spike. As Mads is pulling this body off the spike, Cena, suddenly you get a look at this man's face clearly for the first time, and uh, you recognize him as somebody you once saw when you used to live next to... Anka Seraphin, the mother of the girl you're trying to rescue. 
you you just had seen him at her house. You're not friends with him or anything. I know this man, or at least I've seen him before. Who is he? Sometimes he was over at my neighbor Anka's house. Perhaps a friend of theirs. It's a shame it came to this. Mr. Breslovsky, do you have any rituals that honor the dead to thank this man for his service? Where I come from, a sky burial is the greatest honor you can get. Returning to the mountain, feeding it with your energy. If you would prefer something more traditional, I suppose we could have a pyre. I don't suppose his relatives back home would want him done what you did to that man back at the cabin. Tis your call. I will gather wood for a funeral pyre, and we will say some words in the traditional tongue. It sounds reasonable to me. Ferdos, as Mads begins setting to work, why don't you roll me another perception? Ooh, another. That one's a little bit better. 16. Okay. These things are just laid out in the open now that uh, the body has been rested in the snow. And so as you guys are standing around, twiddling your thumbs, you definitely see both the prayer book and the ring on this guy's finger. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, I'll uh, examine the the book. Being of the background you are, uh, you certainly recognize this emblem as the symbol for the god Fjall, the god of the mountains. Uh, we have a fellow worshiper here. Can I check out the ring, too? You can. Are you taking it off or what? No, I'm not going to take it off. Just, like, kind of turn his hand and look at it. It's just a crudely made metal ring. It almost looks like it was homemade. It's large. This guy's got big hands. And this, the symbol that's stamped into it, uh, it looks like it was done with some sort of hot brand or something just pushed into the hot metal, and that's about it. Little bare bones. Mm. Not finely crafted. Does the tree it was um, sat next to, is it live or dead? Its wood is not green anymore. It's just, if you were to try and climb it, some of the branches might break. Some of them might hold. Um, I'm going to at least, like, kind of feel around to, to some of them and, um, like, not pull them towards the point where they snap but kind of check the springiness i want to determine if the tree is in any way alive before i you know waste a spell slot on it i see why don't you give me a nature all right uh, an 18 some of the branches seem pretty pretty strong and so you're gonna guess that there's still some life in the core of this tree even if a lot of its limbs are dead Alright, so I am going to uh, crack my knuckles first, and then I am going to cast uh, Speak with Plants. Ah, yes, back on Bran. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hello, old one. I know that this is a very interesting sensation to be talking with a giant, but I must ask you a question, and... Um, if you would excuse me, uh, escaping pleasantries, um, was the giant or the creature responsible for the death of this other giant? Um, could you describe them for me? This, this giant, he came. 
my roots. There were others. They, they left him. He, he looked in pain. He, he laid here for hours, coughing and struggling, as I am. I was suddenly startled and as a sensation in my roots. The rock, it moved. I heard a sound and the, the man was no more. Did you happen to see who cast such magic? The tremors, they came from deep within the mountain and to the to the north up the mountain thank you please can you let me rest I don't want to go on like this oh my word um so you have a preferred method? I don't... I don't know... Methods... But I... Hurt. I'm tired. I will see what I can do. I'll bring you rest soon. May Ipsay meet you in the next life. And the sentience as you let go of the spell, begins to drain from this tree, and you just hear a slight cracking of wood from deep within as it seems to settle, like a house settling. Mats, I have a favor to ask. What is it, cousin? The tree is in great pain. He gave me some information, but he wishes to be fell to end the pain. All right, if that is what you wish, I can chop down your tree. <laughs> <laughs> Mads is so practical. <laughs> Please do it as um, painlessly as possible. <laughs> I'm not aware of how one cuts a tree down without causing the tree pain, but I will do my best. You see, I didn't know either. I've never had to do something like this before. You've never heard of trees feeling pain before. Are you sure you're not projecting? You haven't had any good rest in a while. It literally, literally told me he felt such pain and wanted it to end. Holy shit, that's depressing. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> All my years in the druid circle never prepared me for something like this. You, you've talked to trees often? I... Kind of just started recently. <laughs> and only significant trees. While they're talking, I'm going to march over to the tree and start thwacking it with my axe. Oh my god! <laughs> I can't hear the tree screaming, can I? <laughs> you turned off. You switched off the sentience okay. switch. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> Mads, uh, 
of all the trees you've hacked in your life, this is one of the easier ones, and it splinters and cuts through and comes cracking down, and you aim it, obviously, away from the group, I assume. What is it, like uphill? Yeah, downhill? of course. Uh, we would we would go downhill because we're going to get uh, the most safe roll, because if we're uphill from it, it gotcha. if it continues, it's not the end of the world. It comes toppling down, and uh, it, it some of it gets buried in the snow, some of it sticks out, and it's like a beast that you've fought, felled. I'm going to uh, take off some of the dry branches and use them for the pyre. Okay. Mads is going to walk up to uh, Firdus and say, even though it's incredibly obvious, he'll say, it is done. Okay. Thank you, my cousin. Absolutely. I am happy to chop down any tree you wish to be chopped. And you were already doing a, a funeral pyre for the the giant, right? Correct. And I'm going to use some of the branches from the tree we just fell in order to uh, kind of add to the honor sort of thing. Okay, I am going to also like just bring the, the rest of the trunk over there too and, and set it on top so that it uh, burns as well. And then... Um, in the smoke that rises up, I am going to uh, use Druidcraft uh, Cantrip to um, make like a sort of like sort of symbolism um, as like a, an offering to uh, Ipshe, the goddess of green trees. Okay. You guys perform your rituals, and the group is very solemn as this all takes place. So after we start the. Uh like start it you know at the edges and base and it's sort of beginning to catch fire um mads will say it has been a long time since i have participated in the old customs but i do know that with this fire it will turn this body to ash and that ash will blow in the wind and it will scatter all amongst the mountain, amongst the spine of the world. And he'll kind of look around at everybody else like, that was good, right? <laughs> um, Creed was just playing his flute in the background and everyone else was kind of looking at you like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as far as we know. <laughs> well done, Mats. Yes, uh, well said, cousin. Amen. Is that one of those platitudes people keep telling me about? Because I feel as though you either perform the ritual correctly or you do not. There is no being well at it. You did perform the ritual. We must continue on. He'll, uh, he'll like, give him a smile and nod like, yeah, I performed the ritual. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, as we start walking, I kind of um, lean in towards Mads and um, say, In many of the years that I've been in the Druid Circle, there were many times that uh, rituals were not performed well. You, you did quite good. Fair enough, cousin. Fair enough. Ivar, he was terrible at it. <laughs> Part of me wants to ask, but part of me does not care at all. <laughs> and he'll nod and go and uh, march back up to the front. 
<laughs> As all of this has taken place, the afternoon is now coming to a close and evening is setting in. The uncle, Emil, insists that everybody eat along the way. They've rested enough, and so you guys press on through dinner time. And now it is dark and difficult to see again. Excuse me, it is getting dark. Too dark to see. I have a feeling we're almost there, but I suppose we can rest one last time. By this time, the snow is, uh, these massive snowflakes have raised the snow level from your thigh, your calves to about knee level. And, um, everybody roll a perception check real quick. A natural one for me. Damn, I'm rolling well in perception today. Me too. 16. I got a noon teen. Mads, as everybody begins to unload their gear and start setting up camp, you, uh, you're kind of exploring the perimeter and just checking things out to make sure that this is a good spot. And you happen to come across in the dark. The snow here is broken by a fresh trail, which comes in from the left and then it merges with the path that you're following up the mountain? Um, I am going to go to our leader and say, I would like to take one man or woman and explore this trail I've just found. You found a trail. He perks right up and he is, uh, he stops unpacking and he's ready to follow you. It is not... A trail I think is our quarry. I think it could be someone pursuing our quarry. And if I am correct, we should pursue it to at least know what would be nearby. Show me. He'll uh, lead and show him where. I'll get a torch going before we get over there so that it's like readily visible for him. Now that you've lit up the night and you get closer to this, you can actually see the mountain under this trail. It looks like something came through that was rather hot and melted the snow rather than crumbling it. This was not our people. What could have done this? Something whose body temperature is far greater than ours. I know of no creature as such. The only rumors I have heard of are Elementals of pure fire that could possibly do something like this, but I would imagine that this would not be a place a fire elemental would want to hang out. Um, you guys in this new torchlight can see the tr- trail continues on a, quite a ways up the mountain until it just disappears. You can't see the end of it it's so far. It is your call. Shall we continue for a bit longer, or shall we rest? It will be here in the morning. I don't want to face whatever this is at night. Not if we can help it. Also, you would be responsible for many of these people's deaths if we were to continue this evening. And he'll nod matter-of-factly and walk (laughs) back towards the camp. (laughs) We take watches and shifts again tonight. We need to know if that thing comes back. I... I will take the first. Oh, I didn't take one last time, so I reckon I'll take the second. And then the savage woman bugged on us, says, And I will take the third. 
How's our uh, how's our camp counselor doing? <laughs> he is s- remained in the background. He is now a wallflower. <laughs> You've seen him, you know, converse briefly now and then with some of the other uh, people in this party, but he has kept a, a long distance from Mads. Yeah, and as I bed down, um, I'm just going to um, speak a few prayers in uh, Druid speak to several of the, the gods that would kind of be involved in in our adventure. Uh, Hadel and Hodel, uh, Ipshay and um, Fjall. Okay. Ferdos, roll me a quick perception check before you go to sleep. An eight. Okay. You say your prayers and uh, turn in for the night. You are all awakened to shaking if you are a heavy sleeper, or else you're awakened to the noise of packing up if you're a light sleeper. And to no one's surprise, um, Emil is packing up. And as you guys are waking up, why don't you guys roll me a quick weather check, D4. If it's your turn to roll the D4s. Nope, not doing it. Yes, it it is. You haven't even gotten one out, have you? (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, four on the first one, three on the second one. Okay. And I would do uh, druid craft and ask the gods um, what um, weather we're going into today, and then report that to the rest. Why don't you roll me a d4 as well, a couple times? A uh, four and then a one. Okay, and that's good. Um, so when you guys wake up, it is snowy. And the wind is biting. It's heavy snow. It's heavy wind um, coming from the direction of. It's coming down the mountain. So all the snow is going to be in your faces and shit. So Ferdos, when you cast your spell, you see that it's going to subside as the day wing goes on. All right. And I, I tell the rest of the traveling party. Seems that the storm will break by around midday. Unfortunately, we can't wait that long, so we're going to have to press on. <laughs> I hold my arms out to the side as if I'm performing in front of a green screen, and if you see over here into the <laughs> mountains far away... <laughs> Everybody starts bundling up and wrapping their faces and trying to cover as much as they can so the snow isn't blasting them in the face, and it is rough going. But fortunately, the melted trail, it's getting covered now, but uh, you're able to walk on dry land if you stick in this trail. Yeah, I'll definitely walk in the the better trail then. Yeah. Give me perception checks as you go. Oh, finally, good one. 22. 16 over here. Six. Ferdos, as you're, uh, as you're walking up this trail, you catch something now and then. The air here is perfumey. Similar to when somebody passes by you and the breeze that they make kind of lingers around your face. So it's faint, meaning you only catch it now and then, but it's sharp. You catch it even through whatever the wrap over your mouth is, whatever you've done to try and cut out the wind. It's biting right through that 
Uh, would he be able to determine what the smell is? Like of a particular flower or of a particular substance? I'll let you roll a history check. Alright. Is... Since you're a spiritual boy. Alright, so a ten. Not familiar. There's something vaguely sweet in the air. I don't know what it could mean. Yeah, and Cena, when you uh, when he mentions it, then you can detect it. But it's it's just every once in a great while, and then uh, you guys you guys press on up this trail. It starts to grow light. It's not foggy because of all this wind, but it is just snowy, so it's a little hard to see. But before you, on the horizon, you spot a creature unlike anything you've ever seen before. It's difficult to make out the details, but you can clearly see by its silhouette that it has more than four legs. It appears to have maybe three heads, and it's very large. It would appear I was wrong about the elemental. It's probably three to four hundred yards off in the distance. Can you describe the body of it more? It's too too far to make out. You can just kind of see its silhouette moving around like a like a deer on the horizon. Okay. Uh, there's something up ahead. It appears troubling. Perhaps that is what blazed this trail. I can't make out what it is. It has many heads and many more legs. There is no reason for all of us to go up there at once. Who are the hunters? I am not a hunter, but I am a warrior. I have faced monsters on the mountain before. He looks over at uh, Bogdana and she nods to him. And then he uh, looks over to Creed, and Creed shakes his head. <laughs> he looks over at Ferdos and Cena. What are you looking at me for? Because you are coming with me, cousins. I don't think we should send the gentleman alone. <sighs> okay, fine. I'm going to remove my uh, pack and uh, get my shield off of my back and then um, equip it. So I have a, my shield and spear. Uh, Sina will command uh, her raccoon Gygax, her little mechanical raccoon, to run ahead of them and come back if it attacks it. Okay. Cousins, stay at least 30 feet behind me. The rest of the party is following you, but they're keeping a distance, um, quite a distance. And um, uh, Emil is, has joined you, so it's uh, Emil, Ferdos, Mad, Cena, and the and Bogdana. Oh, well, I imagine Cena's um, mechanical raccoon going up there and then getting scared away like the mouse droids in Star, Star Wars <laughs> when uh, Chewbacca <laughs> yells at it. <laughs> As you get closer and the details become more clear, you can see that this beast is hairless. Its skin appears thin and cracked like something mummified stretched over the bones. Its body is strange, like a few animals were assembled together to create one larger animal. Six legs, three heads, and all of them wolf-like in shape. Although its eye sockets are hollow, it looks towards the group and sniffs at the air with its three noses. Proportionally, the size that a grizzly bear is to a normal human, if you scale that up, that's how big this thing looks compared to you. Um, as an action, I would like to know if it is a celestial fiend or undead. Celestial fiend, undead, or any consecrated or desecrated place or object within 60 feet. 
I would wait until we were close enough to do that, obviously. Okay. When the time comes, I'll, uh, I'll let you know. All right, cool. This raccoon is uh, getting closer. Can you command it at will, or do you have to yell to it, or what do you do? It just says obeys my command, so I'm assuming I have it has to, like, hear me. Okay. Um, in that case, you'd probably have to shout out to it if you want it to change plans, right? Yes. Is there any way we can get around this thing without confronting it? There's always the possibility that it knows that we're here and tracks us down, and then we deal with it when we're sleeping. It's already sniffing the air, I'm assuming it knows we're here, just by smell alone. How quickly do you think you could fell it? He looks over at Mads. We will kill it in seconds. Very well. How shall we proceed? Let me get up and stay close to it to distract its attacks. Anyone with ranged weapons and spells can sling them from afar. Anyone comfortable enough to be up in there close with me can help by flanking. Let's see, what's the range on this? How far away are we right now, where we stand? You guys are about 500 feet away. Okay, yeah, I definitely don't have anything that works at that distance. So, uh, yeah, I'm just going to hang back for the time being and let the uh, the ranged people work their magic. The raccoon's probably about 100 feet away. He's cl- he's halfway the distance between you guys. Okay. Can we see him? Mm-hmm. Hold on, everyone. I have an idea first. Stay back. Let me approach alone. So I am going to pull my holy symbol out, rest my glaive on my shoulder, present the holy symbol, and start walking towards it. Um, if it is a... Aberration, Celestial, Elemental, Fey, or Fiend. It must make a Wisdom saving throw. It's going to make a Wisdom saving throw, but do you get to know what it is, or do I just do the Wisdom saving throw? Yes, I get to know what it is. Aberration. Okay. Um, And Mads will say, You are not welcome here! You are in a place that is not your own! You must go! And uh, it'll be a DC 14 wisdom save. It rolled a 10. Um, So a turned creature must spend its turns trying to move as far away from you as it can. It can't willingly end its move in a space within 30 feet of you. For its action, it can only use the dash action or try to escape from an effect that prevents it from moving. If there is nowhere to move... A creature, the creature can take the dodge action, and this goes for one minute. When you perform this thing, you said it has to dash if it can, or it... Yes, it has to run away from me at a dash if it can, on its turn. When you perform this action, this six-legged monstrosity turns heel and takes off, and it is going so fast, it's, it's gone about 400 feet within the time that <laughs> is in around and it uh is uh creating kind of a melted trail behind it. it it's strange it almost looks like the the snow around it is just evaporating into the air <laughs> well this works out weren't we wanting to fight it so that it doesn't ambush us later it's now like 600 feet from you guys mads is too far ahead to hear any of that i would imagine so 
Yeah. <clears throat> Regardless, we need to keep moving forward. This thing is an abomination to the mountain. We would be doing Fial a favor if we dispatched it. Um, when Mads comes back, uh, he'll say, Remind me that after we find this girl, I must go and destroy that abomination. I agree. It is an insult to the mountain. For now, we must press on. He's going to wave the last two party members forward and then begin trudging through this melted path. Cena will call for Gygax. Yeah, I'm just going to keep my uh, shield out, too. Gygax was up in front of you, so you kind of meet him along the way as you march forward, and uh, this beast just keeps on running. How long did you say? A minute? Yeah, one minute. And there are ten rounds, right, in a minute? Uh, yep, there's six, six seconds apiece. So this thing is just gone. It's, I mean, mechanically speaking, it's 2,000 feet away from you, so... <laughs> <laughs> It just disappears up the mountain. And you guys can keep pressing on. Can you roll me a history check, Mads? Absolutely. That is not great. I'm glad the the round getting didn't get to be to where I would have wasted a spell slot. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, that would that would be a ten. Um, you guys are getting up to kind of when he says, if I take one more step, I'll be the furthest from the Shire I ever was. Like, Mads, <laughs> this is, uh, you've explored a lot of this mountain. Perhaps you've even gone to the peak, but this particular area, I think you've only heard rumors about. And, uh, the rumors are wild. There's things like back when, uh, the giants first colonized this northern area, they had villages up here that are now haunted to there was mining operations to there were ghost towns and so you're not entirely sure what to expect but you've definitely heard some things some talk of the olden days Mads will uh, stop everyone and just say be very vigilant this area is haunted and he'll say nothing more <laughs> <laughs> well if I remember my fellowship of the ring correctly we should just be about to run into uh Mary and Pippin um, stealing Farmer Maggot's crops. <laughs> Creed is furiously scrawling all of this into his uh, journal with some bad spelling and stuff. <laughs> well, I just heard the news today. <laughs> You're going to hear a voice from the back and, uh, and Benedict, the booth pastor guy, says, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, I thought I heard him say that this place was haunted. This place is haunted. What? Yes, it is very haunted. What if you've never been to a haunted place before? What does that entail, exactly? Ghosts, usually. (laughs) Or other spirits. Occasionally a poltergeist. (laughs) Yes, sometimes a poltergeist. Or banshee. And banshees. Or cast. And ghasts. Or white. Ooh, the whites are the scary ones. <laughs> <laughs> the snow around you guys outside of the evaporated trail is up to your thighs, close, closing in on your hips. And um, so this thing veered off course when, it, when you spooked it. So you guys are now blazing a trail through this terrible, terrible height of snow. 
Um, it's very difficult. Why don't you guys roll me one more constitution and see how you're doing. Because Creed has already suffered from a point of exhaustion, so he's having trouble. And as we're walking, I'm um, still naming off uh, undead creatures like um, like on Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's a 26. Okay. Ooh. And Scene has never been better. <laughs> 18 for me. He's good. She's good. These pastors barely good. Uh-oh. 13, that's not good. Okay. So Creed has just uh, encountered another point of exhaustion. He's used to playing guitar in the street. He's not used to trekking through deep snow, and so he's really winded. He already was losing on a dis- he had disadvantage on ability, now his speed is cut in half and you see him lagging way behind as he trudges through this. And you're- he's trying to follow the trail that you guys are cutting for him, but it's not good. He's having trouble breathing too in this elevation. I'm going to um, cast uh, just the Druid Craft uh, cantrip and um, make him think he's uh, smelling uh, menthol. <laughs> uh, going up to um, kind of help him along. You guys, uh, I don't mean to alarm any of you, but I think I'm having a stroke. <laughs> You're probably going to be the first of us to die. <laughs> when he says that, I, I double checked that I didn't make it smell like toast and instead <laughs> it was menthol. And <laughs> no, I, I, I chose the right one. Maybe it's that perfuminess you detected in the air earlier. Yeah, must be. And then I look over at uh, Mads and Cena and kind of roll my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) I just hope you won't have to carry me down the mountain. We will not. We will build a pyre for your corpse. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you were going to do that. (laughs) Don't worry. Don't worry. If you you can't walk back, I'll carry you. I'll carry you. I'll try. In what seems like forever, trekking through this terrible snow is really only just kind of over a couple horizons of distance. You guys finally come upon the peaks of some buildings over the ledge. And as you uh, crest this uh, this ledge, you um, it kind of flattens out up here. And you guys see some ramshackle run down old wooden buildings. And uh, there's, there's one in particular. Well, there's a couple. Um, one is kind of a silo-looking building. And then there's another one before you that's just kind of a standard log cabin that's very rough cut. But it looks like something happened here, because from the outside you can see the windows are all busted out. Um, the door is knocked off its hinges. And from what you can see peering inside, even though it's a little dark, everything inside looks like it was thrown and tossed and it's a mess. All the other buildings are just collapsed from age, mostly caved in and stuff from the snow. Be wary of the ghosts as we enter. I don't like this. I've got a bad feeling about this. This is probably our final destination. What makes you think that? I don't see any more trail ribbons. Well, I see no sign of movement, so I suppose we should start searching for a corpse. The party before us had five members, minus one for the one we found back at the tree. 
Perhaps they were covered by snow. It has been snowing quite heavily lately. And uh, I will immediately pull out my glaive, and with the stick side down, I'll start walking through the snow and poking into it, trying to find um, anything that that seems out of place. Bogdana's going to kind of st- follow suit in the other direction. Why don't you give me whatever you want to do? I think this could be survival. I think it could be investigation. Okay. While they're doing that, I'm going to start getting my ritual stuff out um, for detect magic again. Okay. Was that 10 minutes, you said? 10 minutes, yep. I told Gygax to go scout, and if he finds anyone, to come back to me and show me the way. Where is he scouting? Uh, in and throughout the buildings. How much does Gygax weigh? It's probably not that much. He's just scrap metal. Palm of your hand, tiny? Yeah, he's the size of a normal raccoon, so he's probably about the size of a mouse to us. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's like 10 pounds, 10, 15 Yeah, he's about 10 pounds, tops. Let me just roll here. This snow is densely packed enough that he can kind of stay on top of it, but he is sort of swimming through this mound of snow, (laughs) because... I mean, up to your waist, that's like 10 feet of snow. Okay. Good luck, friend. You rolled a 19 for your thing, Mads? Yeah, investigation. You don't find anything around the perimeter. You don't encounter any bodies or anything. There's some fallen logs you almost trip over and stuff, and that's about it. I would uh, make my perimeter and just keep trying to enclose the circle, um, moving closer and closer to the standing building. Yeah, from uh, from the opposite side, Bogdana's going to meet you in the back, and she'll have found nothing as well. You're welcome to uh, go over her tracks, but... Um, no, I don't want to go over her tracks. I just want to start moving in towards the building then. If you start to approach from the back of this building, uh, that door is closed, but it looks pretty rugged and you can see through the cracks like they just, they weren't able to get a good seal. It's just shut on there almost like the hateful eight. So you can clearly peer through any of these cracks into the building. Don't drink the coffee. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I would like to go up and peer in. It's a wreck inside, and it's not like it was tossed. It looks like there was actually a scuffle, because a lot of this stuff is broken. There are smashed chairs and tables. It's hard to tell if this was done over the years by age or if it's fresh, but it looks like there was violence here. I would like to open up the door and go inside then. Yeah, all the snow kind of falls into the building when you do, and uh, as you step in, there's a very strong essence of this perfuminess in the air, and it's almost nauseating. You hear kind of the sound of some flies buzzing, which is weird up here on the mountain, and it's strangely dry in here, like any sweat that you accumulated on the mountain and any uh, snow that fell on your face, it seems to evaporate right off your skin. Um, is there a celestial fiend or undead within 60 feet? Or consecrated or desecrated place or object? You detect in sort of a, an aura of this uh, consecrated or desecrated place or object below the floor. I would know exactly what it was, by the way. It would be consecrated. Oh, interesting. Um, 
Do I see, um, like a stairwell going down nearby? You see a cellar door like they have in Evil Dead. Ooh, such pretty skin. Give it to us. <laughs> it's, it's neither chained nor locked nor anything. It's just sitting there. Oh, well, then it's not like Evil Dead at all. Well. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I'm method acting, Brian. God. Uh, I'm no budding you. <laughs> I would like to open it. It creaks open, and you are suddenly hit with this perfuminess. It's so overwhelmingly strong. Roll a con save. Ooh. Uh, 13 plus, I think, 8. Hold on. Plus 7, so dirty 20. Um, you are able to keep your lunch down, but this stuff is sickening. It's almost like when a smoker tries to cover up their smoke, but they overcompensate, and yet times 10 and um it's all you can do you're like holding your breath even though you're a mountain man it's it's rough uh and you hear the strong sound of flies down here and some of them even buzz out around you and from what you can tell they seem like normal flies you would find around a dead body in your experience of nature they don't seem like they'd be harmful or anything but they're just annoying bogdana will you please go and fetch my cousins yes she uh makes your way to the front door and you guys see her fling open the oh it's already off its hinges you guys see her appear in the doorway and she waves you forward she puts it back on its hinges and then flings it open yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) everyone outside gasps (laughs) Emil will definitely march forward oh I'm I'm dropping down as soon as Bogdana turned her back from me I drop down into the cellar has it been long enough that I would be done with my ritual yeah all right so I got the glowing yellow eyes, and I start to walk that d- direction. So I'm seeing um, detect magic. You kind of pick up what Mads saw before this consecrated thing down here. It's got a necroca- necrotic magic about it coming through the floor, but it's uh, if it feels dissipated. It's not emanating. It's like it's just sitting there, remnants of what was. I still shudder as if I got a cold chill. As I continue to walk down there. Mads, as soon as you drop down into the cellar, it is hot. It's like a sauna down here. It's a very, very dry heat. And you're actually, your mouth is dry and you're actually suddenly struggling to uh, breathe. What do I see? There before you appears to be some sort of religious altar. It looks like it may have had some almost like whale bones or something going up, but they've been smashed and there's, uh, the floor is littered with a party of bodies you count four plus something strange it looks like a human body like a giant but it's it's old and its skin is tight to the bones it's kind of like the beast you saw earlier its clothes are very ragged from the weather oh i want to approach dig deeper okay give me an investigation go deeper huh 11 at the moment, that's all you find. You start flipping over these bodies, and you see the faces of these men that you don't recognize, but you assume they—they're—they look like they're fairly freshly dead. Um, you assume it's the party from before. I will uh, try and yell out, "Bogdana, we have 
We have found the party. She immediately drops in as soon as you call her name, and um, you hear footsteps on the floorboards above you as the others follow suit. Is there any sign of the girl? Unless she is a beast, no. Are you guys going down? Yes. Yeah. What are your light sources right now? I have dark vision up to 60 feet. Oh, yeah, we all would. We're giants. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that. <laughs> I forgot about that little tidbit. Ferdas and Sina, why don't you roll me perceptions as you go down these stairs? Seven. <laughs> well, it's a two on the die. Plus, uh, plus three, so five. Not great. Give me con saves. All right. Um, Seventeen. Six plus six, twelve. Cena, you are holding your breath. Ferdos, you uh, you get down here and just vomit. Oh, I swear I didn't drink the coffee. <laughs> this is exactly like what you had you sensed on the trail, but overwhelmingly stronger. Yeah, like I'll start heading back up the stairs after I start throwing up. Asina <laughs> will keep going. Okay. You guys begin investigating the scene, and uh, you hear a voice, and it's very, very faint. It's like a whimper, and it's from below the stairs behind one of the crates. Hello? It immediately goes silent. Asina will walk over towards the crates. Yeah, Emil will be right behind you. And as you come around the corner, you see this tiny little girl. I mean, she's a giant, so she's bigger than a human tiny, but she's, compared to you guys, even for a child, she's dainty and small, and she's curled up. And she's when she sees you guys, she pushes backwards against this wall. And Emil bends down and he says, Come to me, girl. Greta, it's okay. It is your uncle, Emil. We're here to help. And the terror in her eyes remains. And she scooches back another scooch. I don't... I don't know what to do. Emil, you are going to have to remove your niece by force. You can see him kind of summoning up the courage as he's trying to hold his breath in this terrible perfume and he's trying to uh, breathe in this hot, dry air and he says, Come forward, girl. And he reaches out towards her and slowly but surely she just kind of lets him reach his hand out and wrap it around her and kind of pull her out of this thing. But she's she begins trembling and uh, finally... When she gets in in his embrace, she kind of cracks. And she doesn't cry, but she clings to him almost like he's a life source, like a, a, a flotation device in the water. And he says, let's get out of this place. And he's going to try and pass her off to you, Cena. Cena? Yeah, she'll take her. And then he says, take her upstairs, as he begins looking at the bodies and then as you go upstairs, you notice that he's falling down onto his knees in front of one of the bodies. And he just kind of collapses over it. Um, before anybody gets upstairs and, and after he kneels down to one of those bodies, I yell downstairs. Uh, what is happening down there? We found her. She's, she's very small and she's very scared. So try not to make 
trying not to make a lot of loud noises. Oh, thank Hodo. Emil, we need to get your niece as far away from here as possible. You and the rest of the party must start heading now. My cousins and I will stay here and burn down everything that is desecrated. When he looks up at you, he raises his upper body and turns to you, and you can see the evaporation of tears coming off of his cheeks. And he stands, and he follows you out. Um, as we're walking, uh, Mads will say again, Now is the time to be concerned for the living. We can grieve when we are back in the city. Cena, roll me one last perception as you carry this girl out of there. Eight. Eight? Eight. Um, give me a medicine as well. You'd be checking her, right? Yeah. Nine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You're not able to detect any uh, signs of damage to her. In fact, she seems strangely well. She didn't seem very phased or nauseated by this smell, and perhaps that's because she's been down there and grown accustomed to it. But one thing you do notice that stands out is that her hands are wrinkled, kind of similar to when a child has been in the bath for an hour. Um, When they get upstairs, do I catch anything off of uh, Detect Magic on her? Actually, uh, I didn't know that was still running, but now that you mention it... She has some of that same necrotic magic kind of emanating from her. Um, so, like, uh, when we get her upstairs and get her outside, um, like, uh, I, I wait for a moment when, um, when Cena would, like, you know, place her down on the ground, and I kind of motion for Cena to come talk to me for a second. Uh, Cena will summon the raccoon to come and keep her company, and then she'll, uh, step off, like, max five feet to the side to talk to. Uh, I I lean in very close. The girl's going to be latched onto your leg if you do, if you set her down. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just, like, try my best to um, speak uh, stealthily and um, say I I picked up that necrotic um, aura from the magic coming off of her. Are you sure it was coming off of her and not the environment? Yes, I'm sure. What it means, I I do not know. Roll perception as you say this, Ferdos. Alright. <laughs> it doesn't need, doesn't need to be high. Five plus three, so an eight? Yeah, that's good enough. Uh, oh, okay. This is, I was going to say if you hit below five, but this is pretty obvious. As you say this, you suddenly look down and you notice that all this circle of snow around where you guys are standing and this girl's clinging to Cena's leg has completely evaporated. No! I kind of just, like, uh, catch Cena's eye and I, like, just point down. (laughs) And and we just see this, like, empty circle of melted snow. Do I feel any difference where she's clinging to my leg or anything? Like, If you noticed anything, it would just be that your skin feels very dry. Maybe a little itchy. Is the little girl wearing gloves? She's wearing these fingerless gloves, which is why you were able to tell that her fingers were pruny like a child in the bath. And then she has standard winter clothes like you would see on any child. 
back in the city of Obregard. While all of this is going on, Mads, what are you doing? Okay, so the plan was is I wanted the party to go off ahead and my cousins and I would stay back. And my plan would be to just start dousing the inside with all of the lantern oil that I have left. And uh, then light up one of my torches and toss it into the place. Yeah, this thing goes up. Um, You guys are watching this inferno before you. And you can see there's a deep pain within Emil just by his eyes and his expression as he watches this whole really burn. Maybe you would assume based on the story that probably has a lot of guilt. And Mads, why don't you give me your last perception check for the game? All right. Six. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Then you're not the one to notice. But uh, Bogdana's gonna, even though she, she's witnessed everything before, you feel a tap on your shoulder. Oh! She gestures quickly, and when you look to kind of to your left behind you, you see an old man approaching you. He's probably 200 feet away, and uh, he's not as big as a giant. He's probably 10 feet tall. He looks old. And he's carrying something in his hands. I'll start walking towards him. As you get closer, you start to notice that the air around him is a little bit distorted, almost like the heat waves coming up off of a hot road. And he sets this, what appears to be a wooden box in the snow. And then he looks up at you and he gestures with a kind of um, a hailing motion of his hand. And then he turns and begins walking away. And then suddenly, the entire mountain shakes, and you feel this earth quaking beneath you as the fires rage behind you, and everything begins to move. You can feel it in your stomach like you're going down an elevator as this entire mountain roars with crumbling rocks, and you feel the whole thing lowering down and down and down for what feels like miles, but it gets so fast that it's just a moment, and it's done. And then there's a cushion that softly comes to a slow and then it stops if everything is flattened out before you except for this deep snow and the forests off in the distance. And the man has vanished and the box lays there in the snow. If he has done damage to my mountain, I will kill him. (laughs) (laughs) I agree, cousin. And I will pick up the box. It's a it's fairly ornate cedar box. And as you approach it and you pick it up, it has engraved in the top of it the name Mads. What's in the box? I have to open it. <laughs> Inside you see three vials, three glass vials. The one on the left has a brown liquid. The one on the right has a gray liquid, and the one between them has a swirling of gray and brown liquid. They're all corked. <laughs> one is the brown liquid, one is the yellow liquid, the one in the middle is... <laughs> I'll uh, bring it over to Cena and say, 
Have you ever seen something like this before? Hang on a second. I there's there's a skill for this. I knew I was an alchemist for a reason. I know some shit about strange liquids. So, um <laughs> Well, that that be our first shirt of this campaign. I know some shit about some <laughs> strange liquids. <laughs> <laughs> It would be impossible without further analysis, but your best guess is that these are potions and they are going to probably imbue him with some sort of power if he drinks them. Well, I know. Okay, Nats. So these are potions of some kind. Um, I don't know what exactly they do, and I don't want you to drink them or do anything with them until I can figure it out. Or unless we really need it. Until I can figure it out, please. I have a feeling this is going to imbue you with something. I just don't know what it is yet. What if it imbues me with happiness? I don't. That's what we. You're say. right. I am already quite happy. It doesn't seem logical. Thank you. Yes, yes. You're too practical to be drinking strange liquids. Unless it's necessary. Just please don't drink them until I can figure out what they are, please. Or until it's necessary. <sighs> okay, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> He'll nod very curtly, like yeah. <laughs> so I just want to like the way you described the events after the the box got left like so you said there was a lot of collapsing and like a falling feeling and stuff like did the mountain collapse and we're just like still where are we just like in the middle of a crater right now like the best thing that you can tell from your perspective is that the entire mountain lowered down to ground level and you have a straight path before you it but the what? <laughs> you're not in a, you're not in a crater. It's just it's like flatlands. It's like you're in a prairie or something, except there's a lot of snow. Okay, like the mountain is just not there anymore. That's kind of what it seems like. All the trees and stuff are still there. The cabins and everything are still there. Everything stayed put. <laughs> it's just not mountainous anymore. Um, Matt, something very strange has happened. Yeah, she has destroyed my mountain. Now I must kill him. What if he was the mountain? That is not what mountains look like, Fyrdos. Unless it was the spirit of the mountain and he was rewarding you for your service. Mads will give Cena a look like he has never considered anything of that sort ever in his entire life, <laughs> and you have blown his fucking mind. Well, my ears are popping something fiercely, but I feel like I can breathe a little easier. Yes, you are very lucky that this old man has saved your life. There is no way you would have made it back down the mountain <laughs> in your shape. <laughs> I would say that if we should continue on throughout our travels in the world, we should be on the lookout for a mountain that is not on any maps. That would mean that there is a That it mountain. is my mountain! Exactly. <laughs> and I want it back! <laughs> <laughs> and with that you guys make the long journey home join us next week for mountain hunters <laughs> <laughs>
So Sina would have like reached down and grabbed the girl right as we started falling. And I was, please tell me the raccoon made it back. I'm very concerned about him. Nothing changed. It just felt like an elevator mountain going down. It just lowered you okay. to a flat level ground and now you can walk. <laughs> you say that so matter of factly, like that's just some normal thing. Like, oh, it's just the elevator mountain. The Giants March is a production by the Time to Die Podcast Network. It's one of our many different stories. If you'd like to find out more, visit timetodierpg.com. If you're enjoying the show, we would be ever so grateful for a review on your favorite podcatcher or a shout out on social media. Post about us on Reddit or Twitter. Share us with a friend. Whatever you can do to let people know that we exist and that you think our shows are worth a listen. If you would like to support us financially, you can pledge monthly at patreon.com slash time to die RPG. Or you can give us a one-time donation at ko-fi.com slash time to die RPG. Want to hang out with us? We have a Discord server. The link is in the episode description, or you can find it at our Time to Die website. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at time to die RPG. Find us on Reddit at r slash time to die RPG. Tim, who plays Mads, is on Twitter at idagrabyourgun. Chris, who plays Feardos, is on Twitter at ChrisRileyLCP. Aubrey, who plays Cena, is on Twitter at AubreyGray1. That's A-U-B-R-E-E-G-R-A-Y and the number one. And I, Brian Bridges, the GM of this campaign, am on Twitter at ManlyBrian. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Giant's March. Giants March Audition. This is voice actor number 47, Wan Dwight. He will be performing one of his original characters whom he has named Cyrus Sassafras. Wan, first of all, let me just say that is an impressive mustache.
<laughs> you must take No Shave November very seriously. Alright. We're ready to hear this character. Please, do your thing. <coughs> Hello. My name is Cyrus Sassafras. Heard you a lot what's going on in the march. Oh, that sounds wonderful. It's been so long since I've been able to go out and just stretch my legs. I've been stuck in the city of Mithrin for like three years now. I mean, I guess technically it's only been a week in our campaign, but that's besides the point. I'm tired of being cooped up in the city. I thirst for adventure, for excitement, and for a big, strong man to pick me up and carry me. Oh. Thanks, Wan. Your mustache is falling off, by the way. We'll call you. 